Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are and whatever part of the day you're in. I sure do appreciate y'all joining me, giving me a little bit of your time and energy. I hope it gives you something to look forward to each day. Uh, For those of y'all that continue to come back, I assume it does. Uh, For those of y'all that make the kind comments either online or in person about the podcast, uh, thank you so much. You're very encouraging. You keep me plugging along and keep me grounded (laughs) so I don't get too full of my own opinion, I hope. God does that too pretty well has a has a good way of putting humility in my path not a lot on the farmstead homestead farmstead homestead I guess it's the same really procrastinating putting the trees in the ground which is not a good idea I read a quote by one of the famous gardeners in this part of the world and he said that almost all the problems that came from lack of production at least when he was talking about vegetables and fruit trees uh, well vegetables really but I'm sure the same applies at least for the first year or so for trees as far as growth he said it had to do with timing of planting So, I thought that was interesting. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for you, Father, and your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the time to record this podcast, the people that listen to it, share it. Be with them and their families, God, and bless them. Surround us all with your angels, Father. Give us all a strong faith. Help us to defend our faith in you and your Son, Jesus Christ, well. Give us compassion, kindness, patience. Help us to follow your commands in caring for the widow and the orphan, the poor and the needy. To do justice to walk humbly before you, to love mercy. And God, my words here, Father, please. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to go back to this Liberty or Death speech by Patrick Henry, March 23rd, 1775. At least one more day. We'll, uh, We'll see how it goes how long we do it. I can find... Ah, there we are. So, at least the way this is broken down on the Avalon Project, which is from Yale Law School, we're in the third paragraph. And... You know what? So, he, he starts here, I have but one lamp, 
by which my feet are guided. And that is the lamp of existence. I know of no way of judging of the future but by the past. And judging by the past, I wish to know what there has been in the conduct. And then he continues on talking about the British for a sentence or two, but, you know, I get a lot of things online from different people. I say a lot, not a lot, but one of the things I got hammered on recently is I, I put a Bible verse up online about a completely different topic, but somehow somebody took it toward talking about whether faith was reasonable in God and Jesus Christ. And, and sometimes, so there's a couple proverbs some of y'all are well aware of. It says, don't argue with a fool or you become like a fool yourself. I'm paraphrasing, folks, forgive me. Uh, but there's another one, right, just almost right around it that says, argue with a fool lest they think they're wise in their own eyes. And so you kind of have to, I've always taken it at least, you kind of have to use good judgment about when you argue with somebody that, that obviously is being foolish and when you don't. Uh, and, and by foolish, a lot of times, to me, that translates to disingenuous. You know, when they're just picking a fight to pick a fight, uh, when they, they're not even really sure if they believe what they say, or if they do, they're unwilling. They're not really coming at it with an open mind. Um, uh, so, and you can add your own thoughts and definitions in there yourself but at any rate we got to talking about this and the guy asked me well you know why do you have faith and, and he was pretty antagonistic he wasn't cussing much that I remember in the back and forth because I usually don't engage with that uh, but he definitely was condescending and arrogant uh, which you kind of expect often when you're dealing with with people that completely reject Jesus Christ and truth, right? Not always, but it's definitely not shocking. It is shocking when you see it in people that claim to follow Jesus Christ, which is never, you're not being, we're not being a good example when we are condescending and arrogant like that at all, which is a whole other topic. But he said, well, you know, why? Why do you believe this? And, and I wasn't real sure that he was genuine. But I went ahead and kind of took the bait. And I said, well, history, personal experience. And the example of, of those that have gone before me. And as we got into it, it, it reminded me this quote from Patrick Henry about experience. You know, and. And he made the comment, well, faith is, you know, faith is just stupid. It just means that you don't have any intellect. And of course, we all have faith. This guy has faith. He has faith in science. Because he can't, he can't prove without a shadow of the doubt the Big Bang, right? For example, he wasn't there. He can't even prove evolution when you go back and look at the fossils. Because you weren't there. You don't know what that fossil actually was. We have pretty good indications. But if they're not alive today, and it's an educated guess, folks, and I'm not saying that you can't look at a fossil and tell a lot of things, but what I'm saying is we weren't there to see it. So you can't, it's not like you're an eyewitness. You can't 100% say this is what happened. 
And so there's faith involved. And so people choose to put their faith in science or government or religion or God in Jesus Christ. Or in themselves. And, and this experience, you know, okay, so your experiences, history, you know, what's going on before us? What does Henry say here? He says, uh, judging, I know of no way of judging the future, but by the past. Well, so when we look back at the past, those people in your life that you know or that you see that have a strong faith. I've, I've got people in my life that are far more intelligent than I far more well-studied than I. And they put their faith in God and Jesus Christ. Well, that's an encouragement to me. That's a piece of evidence. It doesn't mean that it's true. And I certainly can't rest my faith on them. I have to make that decision on my own and choose to put my faith in Christ, which I do for myself. But it's an encouragement. You look back at our founders, you look at this, this speech right here by Patrick Henry, where he's talking about God and, and how he, what does he say in the first, the majesty of heaven, God, which I revere above all earthly kings. Patrick Henry was without a doubt one of the, the greatest influences in the founding of our nation. And he's saying, I revere God, God the Father of Jesus Christ above all others all earthly kings. Does that mean that it's true? No. But it's a piece of evidence. It's a man that risks a lot to bring about, to help bring about the greatest nation on the earth. And there's so many that we've talked about on this podcast, right? And, and I don't know, folks, maybe this is a little bit petty. I doubt the gentleman even listens to the podcast, but one of the things is he, he made the mistake of making the comment that America wasn't a Christian nation. And that's one thing that I do know a little bit about. And so I spent a couple minutes putting some quotes in there by John Jay, who was our first Supreme Court Justice, John Adams, who was one of our most influential founding fathers and our second president, John Quincy Adams, who was his son and also president. I might have put, yeah, I put the one in, one in there by Patrick Henry. Just a few, not even that many. And he came back and said, well, I'm sorry that you don't know anything about the founding of your country. And that, that's when you have to kind of disengage, folks, because obviously if you're putting in, if you're talking about these quotes, actual factual quotes, actual factual, that's out of Berenstein Bears, by the way, for any of y'all that know that, actual factual quotes, from our founding generation, from our founding, you know that, that we absolutely were founded on the principles, the gospel of Christ. So anyway, I know that was a big old rabbit trail, but I appreciate it. Let's see what else Patrick Henry has to say. He has, he has more that's worth paying attention to than I. You know, he talked about, have we... Have we shown ourselves so unwilling to be reconciled that force must be called to win back our love, right? And he's saying, you know, don't be deceived. War, the implements of war and subjugation, that's the last thing kings resort to. And, and where are they for? You know, why, why did they send these army? They're meant for us. 
not anybody else. They're sent over to bind these chains upon us from the British ministry. And, and what, what do we have to oppose them? We've tried argument for 10 years. We don't have anything new to say. We've, we've held up the subject in every light of which it is capable, but it's all been in vain. Shall we resort to entreaty and humble supplication? What terms shall we find that we have not already exhausted? Again, he says, let us not, I beseech you, sir, deceive ourselves. We have done everything that could be done to avert the storm which is now coming. I don't think we're quite there yet with the left in America, folks, but we're getting pretty close. We've, we've ignored perhaps out of cowardism, you know, we've put blinders on, live and let live, do what you want to do. Uh, we've tried that. You know, go do what you want to do in your own bedroom, for example. Uh, we won't say anything about it. Well, we want to get married. Okay, well, you know, go get married. Not really married, but, you know, go get whatever you want to pretend marriage is. But, but you can't ever negotiate with evil folks. And, and look at what's happened. We've gone from Feminism, where, where you wanted to pretend that men and women are the same. And then, and then you go to making homosexuality no longer a mental illness. And then you go to making transgenderism no longer a mental illness. And look at what has happened directly tied to that, to our children in particular, over the last 50 plus years. Look at the heartache from broken families. These are facts, folks. All you have to do, if, if, you, don't, if you don't see it, go walk the, the hallways of a school. Talk to a counselor or a teacher that you know and trust. And if they're honest, I guarantee you they're going to they're gonna easily be able to talk to you about the heartache of, of broken families. No-fault divorce, right? Divorced families. The LGBTQ, the mental disorders that's, that, are, that are plaguing these kids. The pain that it has caused. I had somebody online talk the other day, well, I've got, uh, I don't know, sister-in-law or something, and they're both lesbians, and they have their own kids, and they're doing fantastically. Temporarily, folks. And that temporary might last years. But you're not being loving and kind by supporting that. You're not. You're being ignorant at best and, and a coward at worst. You cannot support LGBTQ lifestyles and call yourself loving and kind to those people. And all you have to do is go look at the mental issues and the physical pain today when you're talking about transgenderism, but even the homosexuality. Look at the pain that is caused in these kids. It's like illegal immigration and sex trafficking. You're not being kind to support illegal immigration. You're being cruel. You're not even supporting it with your own. You know, there's a, oh, Boston or somewhere. I just saw this within the last couple of days. They want their residents to open their homes up to illegals. Tell you what. If you are a leftist citizen and you have been voting and supporting illegal immigration for the last couple decades, you ought to absolutely be forced to give a bedroom out of your home or apartment to an illegal immigrant. That ought to be a requirement. 
You want to vote for the left? You want to vote for illegal immigration? Fair enough. Which bedroom and bathroom do we get? We're going to put about somewhere between five and ten illegal immigrants in there. You're going to be responsible for feeding them, housing them, fixing whatever damage they cause. And you're going to take responsibility for them from a punitive law police point of view. So if they go out and commit a crime, it's just like just like a kid in your house committing a crime. But of course the left isn't they're not interested in that at all. So we're not quite at the point that uh, Patrick Henry has talked about here perhaps, but we're getting close folks. We we've exhausted we've begged and pleaded for them to turn back to God as a as a nation even if they're not going to do it in their individual lives. You know, what else are we going to say? What other argument are we going to make that hasn't been made? To, to walk away from feminism. To walk away from LGBTQ lifestyles. To walk away from rejection of God. To walk away from illegal immigration. To walk away from the bigotry of DEI, critical race theory, identity politics. To walk away from the evil that you see in socialism, communism, fascism, Nazism. Marxism. What other arguments? If you've got a new one, tell somebody so that they can use it. What else do we have left to do? You understand his frustration. In vain, after these things, may we indulge the fond hope of peace and reconciliation. There is no longer any room for hope if we wish to be free, if we mean to preserve and volat these inestimable privileges for which we have been so long contending, if we mean not basely to abandon the noble struggle in which we have been so long engaged, in which we have pledged ourselves never to abandon until the glorious object of our contest shall be obtained, we must fight. I repeat it, sir, we must fight. An appeal to arms and to God of hosts. The God of hosts is all that is left us. Uh, that last line, folks, if that doesn't ring true to you today, uh, an appeal to God in particular is all that's left us. And it may be too late. We may have gone past, but we are absolutely being vain to hope for peace and reconciliation with the left today. There is no, you, you, we talked about this, I think, on the last podcast or two ago. There's no coexistence or reconciliation with the left in America today. They're either going to change or we're going to change. The people that stand for abortion, sexual deviancy of every kind, sex trafficking, feminism, communism, socialism, leftism, Nazism, fascism, DEI, critical race theory, identity politics, bigotry, racism, sexism, etc. You can't you can't coexist, folks. We need to get that through our heads and it's it, you need to realize that it's true at the national level, uh, but even more so at the local level. The people in the community that you walk up and down the streets with your neighbors, friends, family. You, you can't just simply continue. We're not 
I'll say it this way. We will not continue to just coexist. We're either going to fold and admit, like Patrick Henry says here, that we're going to abandon our ideals, our morals, our goals. We're just going to go ahead and abandon them. And we'll suffer under slavery and tyranny. Or we probably have a fight coming, folks. And you need to mentally prepare for that. It's just logical. It's I'm almost, not quite, but almost unemotional here talking about it. It's just a logical conclusion. Outside of a miracle by God, there is no way to coexist here. And so we're either going to have to go ahead and throw up our hands and submit, or we're going to have to resist, which will probably lead to a fight. God bless y'all. God bless your marriages, your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks. Looking forward to it.